another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it, I guess the way we're going to be doing it most of the time from now on. Uh, this is going to be episode 347 of the Survival Podcast. It will be officially the last podcast of 2009 as we look into 2010 and a brand new year. So what I'm going to talk to you guys today about is setting goals. And I'm going to do that in a different way than just lecturing you on why you need goals and what your goals should be by telling you what my goals should be, which are going to be radically different. Uh, than the goals that a lot of you guys have, honestly, because I've been doing this a long time, and I've been really serious about it for two years. And as many of you know, I've been listening to the show, I'm up to a transitional point in my life where we're going to be leaving one place and going to another. So I'm going to have a number of goals that are specific to that. I have to have some fluidity and flexibility in that move time due to some family things. I'm even going to tell you about that so you guys can understand. Uh, I am still a regular guy, even though some of you that think I'm going to do this full time now, I've lost touch with the people. It's one of the person uh, people lectured me. Uh, I'm just a regular guy like you guys, and I care about people, and I want to share my knowledge, and I use my my ability to share knowledge, and that's really what I have. There's plenty of people out there smarter than me. My talent is in sharing the knowledge that I have and taking knowledge that other people have, quickly absorbing it, making it understandable, and, and redistributing it, and that's a big part of what I do here. Um, so I'm going to try to blend that in today with my own personal goals. Before that, though, we do have some housekeeping to take care of, as always. Number one, make sure you take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to support the show and keep me here every day uh, broadcasting for you. Sponsor of the day number one, SOE Tactical Gear. Uh, now, I've said before that this gear is tough. Even I didn't know how tough. I just found a YouTube video. Uh, very recently on James Yeager's channel. And James Yeager, of course, is the force behind Tactical Response, and he's one of SOE's uh, resellers as well. Well, he and John uh, Willis, who's the owner of uh, SOE, were out in the field and doing a shotgun training class, and they had another buddy there, and they had two great big trucks. They took two of John's pistol belts, and they, they linked them together. The way they'd go on, you know, with the, with the belt and the Velcro, the way they'd go on your waist. These weren't tied or, you know, taped up or anything like that. And they put them in like a chain, so one in each. And then they put them over the ball hitches of two great big giant trucks. And then they tried to pull them apart. And the trucks smoked the tires and could not move each other and could not break the belts. I'll put a link to it. That's how tough their gear is. That's how tough their gear is. And that's what I mean when I say if you want gear, you'll leave behind your kids. That's where to get your tactical gear from. All right, next up is Backyard Food Production. Guys, if you don't have this DVD, get this DVD. The amount of information that you'll learn by actually having someone walk you through their operation is unbelievable. I'm going to be talking a lot about permaculture today and some of my goals around that. And what I've learned in the study that I've been doing and all the videos and DVDs and the courses and everything I've taken is that the most valuable thing you can do if you want to be good at gardening, sustainable agriculture, permaculture, all of these disciplines, is intensively examine as many successful systems, both natural and man-made, as you can find. Um, 
the with the, with the caveat being, uh, don't worry about examining the man-made system of 100 acres of corn in perfect rows, because that's not what you need to be looking at. But everywhere that somebody does something in a garden, even if it's not a permaculture operation, even if it's just like the guy built this one little bed and he put these certain plants together and they're working really well, the more you observe the more you'll be able to recreate, expand on, and use. Because what I'm learning about permaculture is it's not as simple as it seems from the surface, even though it's a remarkably simple system overall. What happens is the more you observe, the more you can do. And the more you the more you have, let's say, ammunition to deal with a given situation. And the more knowledge that you bring with you and the more ability you have to think, the greater the output you can produce. That's what makes it so much different than conventional farming. Well, if you get Backyard Food Productions DVD and you look at what she's done, you'll load that quiver of arrows up till it's about overfilling. Uh, like as I said before, this is a DVD I've had to watch multiple times just to really absorb everything that's in it. There are some graphic parts. Uh, there's a part where she kills a rabbit and shows you how to skin it. You can fast forward through that part or skip it if you don't want that. But uh, it's, a, it's a real operation. And it's what they really do and how they really provide their own food. And uh, I really recommend that you check it out and consider making it part of your collection. So long a little bit today on talking about the sponsors, but I want to give you over the next week, or coming week anyway, more background on the people that you hear me tell you about every day. And then we'll go back to the brief mentions. But every once in a while I'm going to pause and I'm going to do this because I want you to understand that my sponsors are here to serve you. My show is not designed to sell advertising. It's designed to serve the listener, and I only bring in sponsors that help me do that job better. And I know my sponsors intimately, I know their products intimately, and I know why they make sense for you. So every once in a while I'm going to pause and I'm going to make that case to you so that you know how much thought goes into approving a sponsor that ends up on the Survival Podcast. Not to mention the, the problems they have to go through with hitting the Listener Ad Council and the, uh, the amount of Scooby-Doo uh, detective work that goes on there is uh, quite impressive. Alright, so let's move on from there. The, uh, the next thing I want to real quick do to knock out the rest of our housekeeping is remind you, get involved with the forum, check out the TSP Gear Shop, uh, challenge coins are going to be shipping in a little over a month. Get some challenge coins. I'm going to make Sister Wolf raise the price on the challenge coins once they start shipping. I've only agreed to the price point because they're not shipping yet. Um, it, it's, it's way too low. And it, they're really cool. But take advantage of it. Go buy a 100 of them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But maybe buy a pocketful and share the show that way. At 9 bucks a piece, I think you're getting a real value. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, I want you guys to know, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, but I want you to know something about both Twitter and Facebook. I don't pay attention to them. I use them because a lot of you do. And I use automated uh, APIs that interface with my blog. And when I post a new show or I post an article or I post anything, it goes out and pings my Twitter and it pings my Facebook. If you really want to get in touch with me, there's a contact form on my blog. You can PM me on the forum. And the best way is just email me. I've never hid my email address from you guys. I just don't print it on the Internet anywhere. It's jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. How simple is that? Email me. I read all my own email. I read it, and I answer most of it. Sometimes it's just thanks, I appreciate you, whatever. Sometimes I don't answer emails. I used to answer them all. There's too many now. I do the best that I can for you guys, though. But know that if you send me an email, it's going to get read. All right. Uh, last but not least, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You'll get exclusive content available only to members. I'm going to leave it at that today because I'm going to talk about that as one of my goals going forward. So let's talk about setting goals for 2010 
And before I tell you my goals, let's talk about why it's important for you yourself right now to sit down. You've probably got some kind of a pause in your life. You just had Christmas. You had to go through all kind of rigmarole, deal with family, whatever. You know, New Year's Eve is kind of a, is really a guy holiday, man. It's a perfect holiday for men. We don't have to go to church, right? We don't have to dress up other than if we want to. Um, we can sit around on, on the, the couch and watch college football. Or we can go out and party. We can have anything in between those two extremes we want. And that means we can just be ourselves. And I think that's a great man holiday right up there with Thanksgiving. Except you generally don't have to deal with maybe a relative or two you'd prefer not to. I mean, that's how great New Year's is for a holiday. And when it ends on the end of a week... And then you have a weekend after it, it's really great because it pulls you out of work and you get a couple days to think. So that's why I think it's a good time to set some goals, not just because everybody does it at this time of year. There's actually a reason for it. Now, why do you need them if you don't set your goals? Well, you're like, if I take you and I put you in a car and I hand you a map and I say, drive to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You would think, well, that's not hard. I have a map. I have a car. I have, and I give you a gas card, and I even give you some food. So, anywhere you are in the United States, you have enough food. You can just drive there. You don't have to stop, except maybe for bathroom breaks. You'd think it'd be really easy to get to Philadelphia, right? Um, not if you don't know where you're at. See, that's the big thing that people don't understand. Having a destination is fine. But to have a destination, you have to first know where you are. And if you know where you are, where you're going to, and you have a map in between the places, your odds of getting there are 99, you know, 59 after the 99%. You know, there's almost no way. The only way you're not going to get there is if something happens to you along the way and takes you out and kills you. That's it. Otherwise, you're going to get there. Ships leave ports every day and travel thousands of miles across inter, uh, intercontinental ocean. And they arrive exactly where they're supposed to, exactly when they're supposed to. And they even line up in a proper order and come in. Because they know where they start, they know where they're going, and they know the course in between. As, as much as you would lead yourself to believe that setting goals for yourself is setting the destination, it's actually establishing where you are. It's establishing the origination point. Only if you sit down and type them up or write them up and look at them and put them somewhere and occasionally look at them. Because what they do, by saying where you want to go, you say what you have failed to accomplish that you desire, right? And now we know where we are. So if one of my first goals is to get my house here ready for sale, and we'll talk about that in a second, but it is, what that means is there's been a lot of things that I've needed to kind of fix up around this house that I haven't done yet. So that's established, that established my, my current point is that I'm not done yet. I haven't done these things. My shed still needs to be painted. The doors that I rebuilt that were rotted out need to be put back on it. I need to build a frame around the window of that shed. If I don't do that, this house is not going to market as well as it will if I, if I do it. And I'll talk about some other things I have to do because this is good information. Plenty of people are out there who want to sell a house. I'll tell you some of the things that I'm going to do that are low cost, high impact to sell the house for a fair market value. But you see what I'm saying there. Like uh, One of my other uh, goals is to finish the books that I'm working on. That means they're not done yet. So by stating the destination, now if I state a destination in geography, I want to go to Philadelphia, right? Well, then I have not established a point of origination. It doesn't mean necessarily that I'm in Arlington. Somebody might have dropped me off in the middle of the Georgia mountains, and I have no idea where I am. And I have to first establish my 
my point of origination. But when it comes to setting goals in life, the very action of setting the goal defines the point where you are currently. And now we can gauge the progress toward the goal. So even if we get toward the end of the year, and let's say my goal this year is going to be to uh, buy a new car. And I'm going to pay cash for it, and I'm not going to go into debt. I'm going to drive my beater until I have to. Um, and the car that I want to buy is going to cost me $20,000. If at the end of 2010, I have $16,000, I haven't failed the goal, right? I've gotten, what, 80% of the way to the goal? And I just have to reestablish the, the timeline for the goal now, drive the beater for another four months, save up another $4,000, and then buy the car that I really want. But if I don't first establish the goal and I don't track the goal, it doesn't happen. So keep that in mind as I go through some of these uh, things that I want to do this year. First one is get the house ready for sale. Here's some of the things that I need to do. I've put hardwood floors in throughout all the high traffic areas in the living room. I have not replaced the carpet. This is the same carpet we had five years ago when we moved in, and God knows how old it is from that. It's got dog hair in it. It smells like dog. All this carpet has to go and be replaced. I'm not going to do hardwood throughout. I'm just going to replace it with carpet. Biggest thing for me, why I haven't done it yet, you're going to laugh. It has nothing to do with money. I have to disassemble my giant desk, disassemble all my computers, move them out of my office, move my snakes out of my office. Yes, I keep snakes for pets because uh, the, the people will be afraid of them. Deal with all the heating and everything that has to go on with them and then bring people in. Part of why I've done it now. Most of my snakes are hibernating for winter or burmating as we call it in the reptile world. So it'll be a little bit easier because I don't have to worry about heating them when I move them uh, for a day or two while they, uh, they reestablish this. But... Um, that's one thing. I have to have painters come in right behind it. I was going to paint this place myself, and I've decided I'm too busy. Painting is actually one of the cheaper things to have done by somebody else, believe it or not. And there's some imperfections in the drywall that need to be fixed that a pro would do a better job at. So we're going to have the place uh, painted and then carpeted all in one smooth motion, as uh, smooth as we can make it anyway. So that is uh, that is something we've got to do. I mentioned the deck or the uh, the 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 shed already, but having that shed tuned up, it's a shed that was here when I bought it. If I went out and had it installed today, it would probably cost about $4,000, maybe five, to get a shed like this from Home Depot or Lowe's. So that's a big advantage to the property. If I don't fix it up, it doesn't maximize its return for me. My deck needs to be stained. Most of you have seen videos of my garden. I have a bunch of rows, and then I have one off to the side. I'm going to probably eliminate the one off to the side, put a little suburban-looking picket fence around it, um, mulch it everywhere in between the rows, make sure a wheelbarrow can go all the way around and in between the rows, and uh, paint it, you know, suburban white picket fence or something like that, or maybe stain it. Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm going to do that because that way, if a person that moves here is not of the permaculture mind, if they're not of the garden, uh, from vegetable gardening mindset, they can see it as a beautiful flower garden. It'll make it that for them because most people won't be able to see that in, in their head. So these are just some of the things that I've got to do. I've also got to start finding the things that we don't use on a daily basis. And every time I take a trip, and it might be every two weeks coming now, up to Arkansas, 
I need to take a load of stuff with me and start transporting stuff there to make our move easier and to make staging the property easier. So this is the type of thing you need to be thinking about if you're going to be selling your property. These are the things that matter. My backyard, I've never had much of a lawn back there. It grows whatever it grows, and I mow it to keep it from being too high. I will go out and I will seed the living heck out of it um, as we go into spring with quick-growing rye grasses that are pretty much annual, and we'll just keep it nice and green right up until about June, and by then we should be out of here. So that will make people more likely to look at it and see what they can turn it into than just see my weeds. I like my weeds. I like the clover that I have back here. But I have to address the suburban market that buys the $140,000 rough home. Right, so that's that's the things that I have to do. I am thinking about extending the deck back to the house. I think that would be a good advantage for a sale. So these are some things I'm thinking about doing. All right. Um, I mentioned the solar panels yesterday from Avena. If I could buy them uh, at the price point, I'd probably put at least three of them on my roof, maybe four or five. I think doing that would be not only then do you create like okay they're already there, but you uh, are able to say look these things cost eight hundred bucks a piece. And all you have to do to put a new one on is slide it in and snap it on. And even if the homeowner's never going to do it, in their head they will. Anything that you can get, like, finished but can be expounded upon is great for staging a home. Because it makes the, especially if it's a low-touch, low-tech, low-visibility thing, the south side of my roof is very non-visible to even for much of the property. So it would allow me to put them in a place where they're just, like, not even really looked at by anybody. Uh, but they're there. And uh, so I would do that. I don't know if there's a comparable product I can find in my area, but if there is, I'm going to do that. So those are some of the things I need to do for the house. Um, I also have to finish all of my book projects by April 30th, 2009, and not start any new ones until the fall of 2009. And I've got a couple, I'll tell you about them today, that are going on concurrently. One, I'm writing an ebook called Mastering the 22 Rifle. And I did that for a unique reason. As I looked around, and all the training I could find on rifles and shotguns and pistols, it's all tactical, every bit of it. Even Appleseed that I love, and it really does a lot to teach people to be a better rifleman, a true American rifleman, is still sort of tactically based. It's based around sort of a militia concept, but there's nothing wrong with that. But here's my point with, with a gun, folks. If I put you into a true survival environment because the shit has hit the fan or something's gone wrong or you've messed up, doesn't matter which, and you have a rifle or a pistol or a shotgun or anything, odds are that you'll have to use that weapon frequently to feed yourself and very infrequently to defend yourself. And that's just harsh reality because you have to eat several times every day. If I teach you to feed yourself with a rifle, you'll be able to defend yourself with a rifle. If I teach you to defend yourself with a rifle, you may not be able to feed yourself. There's, there's a lot of things that are more complex when it comes to being able to feed yourself. And understanding and intimately knowing your rifle in a way that allows that in an environment where what you're shooting at isn't trying to shoot you, but it sure as heck doesn't want to be shot, and it's trying to get away. And you have a target area the size of a golf ball 50 yards away in the woods, timbering through the trees, trying to avoid you, and a creature that has 100,000 years of evolution designed to avoid you. So that's why I did that. If you want to pre-register for uh, Mastering the 22 Rifle, go to the website today, and uh, you'll see a link in the show notes today, and you can pre-register uh, to get a big discount on that ebook when it's finished. And an ebook again, is electronic, downloadable, sent directly to your computer. I'm doing it that way because I cannot afford to print it 
uh, in the way that I'm doing it. There's going to be over uh, probably over a hundred full color photographs in this book, and the printing cost would make a book like that cost a hundred dollars. And it may be worth it, but I don't think it'll sell very well because people can't look at it first if they're buying it online. All right. Um, I'm also doing a project with James Talmadge Stevens. He has a co-author project going on right now. Um, if you are a, a budding author in the preparedness industry, uh, the program is not free to you. It, it costs money to become part of this program. I won't say how much, but if you are interested in being an author in this book, I'll put you in touch with James Talmadge Stevens. You do need to have some kind of an existing growing concern as a business or it's not going to work for you. If you're just somebody that's just out there and you're not sure what you want out of life yet, it's, it's not right, trust me. But I'm t- participating in this. Um, I cut a deal that's going to involve quite a bit of uh, guaranteed return to me. And I've set it up so that 100% of that return goes to the wo- is going to go to the Wounded Warrior Project. I'm not taking any profit out of this book. I'm writing one chapter, one of 20 chapters. It's going to be the anchor chapter in the book, first chapter in the book, set the tone for it, and I've got to get that um, chapter complete. And my own book, Modern Survival Philosophy, uh, that's going to be coming out probably about March. I should finish up with that book. That will be a hardcover book. Um, and I also now have the obligation of writing articles for Survival.com magazine with Ron Hood. Uh, first article is done, sent off to Ron. I've got to get some other things done. So those are my writing goals. And they're, they're quite extensive if you think about it uh, to be doing that. Now, here's the good news. I'm over halfway done with modern survival philosophy. Uh, I am over halfway done with Mastering the Twenty Two Rifle, and I've been able to get halfway done with that book in about four weeks because it's so easy for me to write that because I'm writing about life experiences and life lessons and the things that I've learned about rifles along the way. So basically with that, I'm almost done with the textual portion. We're going to go up to Arkansas next weekend, and uh, I'm going to have a big list of photos to shoot, and I'm going to have my wife just take about 100 pictures and have to drop them in and edit it and add some more things to the book, and that one's done. Um, and, and with that, you know, at least I'm, I'm on track to, uh, to meet my goals. And that's the thing. I have a, a percentage of completion already in there because I've been working on these for several months. Now I'm finding a goal at the end to complete them so that I can get this stuff out in the market to you guys. And there's a, probably a person out there right now going, is this whole show going to be about what Jack's doing? And it is. And I hate to sound arrogant. I really do. It is confident as I am when I say things, I come off arrogant when I don't mean to. But when I say certain things, I know it's going to sound arrogant, and I know this one sort of will, but please give me some leeway here. If you want success as a survivalist or success in your business life, knowing the exact things that I'm doing are probably pretty valuable because you can see the success that's grown around what I've been doing. This is how I get here. There's no magic pill. Nobody showed up one day and said, Jack, I want to make you successful. I'm from Hollywood. You know, none of that, Nothing like that. This is how I got here, with this type of a goal mentality, always driving everything that I've ever done. The next one on my list is to acquire permaculture design certification and take at least two other classes in that genre. I have not decided who I'm going to do my design certification with because I'm going to contact everybody and say, look, uh, 10,000 people listen to me every day. Make me a deal. And whoever makes me a best deal, uh, within reason, I'm going to use them as the place I'm going to go get my certification uh, for because I want someone that wants to work with the show long term and have a relationship beyond just 
I went there and took my design certification. I do like Midwest permaculture, and I'm talking to them right now. And I'm also, my other part of that goal is take at least two other classes. So not certification level classes, but just instructor classes. And I'm currently taking, it's $195 to do this, their, um, their self-guided study class, which is basically a webinar-driven course. And it's pretty simple the way they did it. Pretty brilliant as a business model the way they did it. Because what they do is they do this um, 72-hour uh, on-site. You go to a class. You stay there for a week. Uh, you study every day. You go out and see real stuff in the field. And you get your design certification certificate. And what that allows you to do is use permaculture in your business to claim that you are a permaculture designer and to market yourself that way. Um, or to lecture it as a permaculture expert, that type of thing. Because permaculture is a copyrighted word. Uh, copyrighted by, I believe, Bill Mollison and the Permaculture Institute. So uh, what they do is to, to make this course more effective and allow them to condense it from two weeks, what it normally is into one week because people don't have the time, is they do a series of webinars first. And they record them, and they send everybody the PowerPoint presentations, and then they call in and they listen, and they recorded them. And for $195, you can get the entire webinar series and sit at home and go through the presentations yourself and listen to the MP3s. So that's what I'm doing right now. So that knocks out one of those two. I need to find another place to go take a course uh, that may not be for certification, but just a course. So that's I really want to beef up those skills uh, this year. And in a little bit, I'll tell you why I'm going to put so much effort into that. Um, the next one is to get bees into my operation in Arkansas. I really want to start helping bring in more pollinators into that area. Uh, my long-term goals are uh, quite uh, quite aggressive up there with what I want to do. And I have some real challenges up there, and I started to look at those challenges and go, man, this is really tough, some of the things that this landscape and the layout and the direction of the sun and the wind and everything else is going to require me to do, and I actually for a while went crazy and thought about, do I, you know, we can we can find another place that's a little bit easier to work with, and I decided, no, I'm going to make a go of it here, and that's why I'm taking all these permaculture courses. Well, one thing's going to be to get uh, a good population of bees in the area. Now, I'm for the first half of the year, I probably won't be there very often, at least not every day to, to watch and take care of things, and I won't have planted a lot of plants to support uh, a huge population of bees or a standard honeybee colony. So my first step is I'm going to order uh, about three tubes, which is 60 orchard mason bees, and put up three blocks uh, to establish orchard mason bee colonies because they don't really need me to do anything for them. And there's plenty of pollen and forage there in the springtime for those guys. So that's uh, that's one of the things that I'm going to do. That's an easy one, but th that's part of why I put it in there. I want to establish to you that all your goals don't need to be earth-shattering goals. Some of them can be very simple goals, and you're going to refine and add to your goals on a daily basis. You should be reviewing your annual goals, goals at least once a week and going, do I need to add anything in? You have to-do lists, right? That's not really a goal. Today I need to do this, this, and this. But anything that's going to take you more than a day or two to just do, that's a goal. Put it on the goals list. Expand it. Because the beautiful thing is if you end up by, you start out with, let's say, 20 goals or 10 goals or 12 goals in January, and throughout the year you end up setting 50 more goals, you have 70. And in the end, you fail to meet half of them. You've accomplished 30 concrete goals throughout the year. It's more than most people ever do because you're paying attention. Um, the next one is directly related to the Survival Podcast business model. And that is I intend to acquire at least 20 high-quality vendors in 2010 
to provide either a free product, uh, a free download, or a discount or a combination thereof for the member support brigade. So I'm talking to like I'm as soon as I get done recording and uploading today's show, I'm making a phone call. I got an email back from Dave Duffy. Some of you will know who he is, some not. Dave Duffy is the senior editor of Backwoods Home Magazine, and he's interested in doing something for the Members Brigade. So I'm going to call him up, and we're going to negotiate some kind of a deal. And that's going to go in the in the uh, the members area, and members will have access to whatever that deal is. I want 20 of those in 2010. That's almost, I have to do at least two deals a month to make that happen. I think I'm going to blow it away. I think I might come out with 30. Um, maybe more. I've got a lot churning for you guys right now. The deals are easy once the person understands who you guys are. That's the thing. Once I make, it's, you know, I, I open the conversation with there's 10,000 people that listen every day. Uh, but when I get down to the point where there's 800 to 1,000 that are paying supporting members of the show, that all have a means of online payment, that are all deep into this industry, that all believe in what we're doing, and they're all interested in something you have, and all I'm asking you to do is come up with some kind of a discount for these people. Once I get that far, it's generally pretty easy, and they're saying, what else can we do? But getting to that point takes time, because these guys get bombarded every day. So that's that's a goal I have to track, and I have to work on, and I have to make a minimum number of contacts every day until I fill a funnel with people to actually get on the phone and talk to. Uh, but in time, I'll be able to make that goal happen for you guys. And what, what that should do, let's say that the average value, okay, of this guy came up with 20, the average value of each deal is 20 bucks, and I think some of them are much more. Uh, I've got a great one to tell you about here in just a second, uh, but let's say it's 20 bucks. With that 20 bucks uh, times 20, uh, that would be $400 in additional value that I would plug into the member support brigade, which is already close to $200. What that would mean is you would have about a $600 immediate value return of your investment. Uh, by joining the Members Support Brigade. See where I'm going, folks? My goal is to make it so financially advantageous to support this show without me bearing the cost, because that's how I maintain my profit margin. So I have to make these deals with vendors where if they give you a 10% discount, they're still happy with the profit. So you have to figure out what, what do they have that you want that they have enough margin to work with. We have to work out a business-level deal together. Once we do that, though, it's, it's, it's brain-dead for them because they are only targeting people that, that have a financial means to support the show. And you guys are purchasing something for $50 worth 600 and if I do that every year, for four years, you can see where it goes. And some of these are much bigger than that, because if you look at something like the Safe Castle Discount Club membership, it's worth 29 bucks. But if you use it and you buy your Mountain House food from Safe Castle, and you buy $1,000 worth of their food, uh, and get a little bit of a discount on it, it starts to add up. If you start buying some of the other things that they have with those discounts, you might save several hundred dollars a year. So let me tell you, one of the new deals that are there for the MSB now. Right now, uh, one of our sponsors, Western Botanicals, offers a 10% discount to all MSB members for anything you buy from Western Botanicals. Anything. 10%. All you got to do is phone in your order, give a special discount code that's only available to members in the members area, and give them your order, and they take 10% off and send it out to you. Not bad. Well, because 
the sponsorship has worked well for them, and because they want to increase the value to the members and to the audience and do more for the show so that the show can do more for them, Kyle Christensen emailed me yesterday. Here's what they're going to offer MSB members now. We'll give MSB members a free preferred membership at Western Botanicals. This normally costs $50 a year to become a preferred member. 50 bucks, right? As a preferred member, you'll receive all Western Botanical products at a 25% discount. This saves many of our preferred members hundreds of dollars each year. Have MSB members call our 800 number using the code we established for the MSB previously, and we'll set them up as a preferred member. 25% all purchases from Western Botanicals. And it's a $50 a year charge for everybody else to get that. You get it for free as an MSB member. That's the kind of things I'm trying to work out. So you might be going, how does this apply to me if I'm not an MSB member? Or It's great I am, but why is this part of the show? This sounds like a commercial. It's not a commercial. You want to know how to run a business? It's how you run a business. You want to know how to take care of customers? This is how you take care of customers. You want to know how to treat your partners? This is how you treat partners. You establish a relationship. You build a relationship. You find mutually beneficial things. And you make sure all parties benefit. And the best business people are the matchmakers that sit in between. That's how you build a business going forward. If you're really into community-supported agriculture, but you can't start a farm, go out and find every little small farmer you can in your area and offer to be their marketing arm. And go out and find people that want to participate in CSA programs that don't even know they exist. Go to Whole Foods, walk through the aisle, walk up to somebody and go, hey, why are you here? Really? Let me tell you about a program that we have that's even better than this. Hand them a pamphlet. Take a percentage of sales from each one of your, you know, maybe 20 small growers. If you can't make $100,000 a year doing that, in most of these big cities where people are looking but can't find stuff like that, you're not doing your job. That's how you build a business. And that's an idea. And you know what an idea is? It's absolutely worthless without goals, objectives, and a plan. Just had a conversation by email with somebody about those things. It was asking me for my advice on a business. So there you go. That's why we're talking about these things. Because I believe that being able to feed yourself is about more than growing food. It's about being able to generate some level of income. What I want you to be able to do in your life is eventually get to a point where you need like ridiculous poverty level income to get by and like a little bit over poverty income to live really really good so like let's say you could you could pay all your bills and take care of your whole family for 20,000 a year that's a poverty line it really is and then you could live like a king on 35 and choose where you want to be and have a way, and that's simple simple stupid easy money to make people it really is I know for some people, you're slaving at a job right now, you barely make 25000 a year. And you, you think I'm just like making it sound too easy. It is easy. You're just not in the right realm yet. You have to get creative and figure out what you're called to really do and go do that. And then you'll be able to monetize it um, quite well. So that's why I'm talking about things like that today. Uh, next thing I want to do, I want to test low-end geothermal cooling and heating technology uh, in a couple different ways. One of my plans is pretty simple. I'm going to dig a trench about 60 inches deep. I'm going to put a pipe in it. I'm going to blow air through the pipe and determine what temperature the air goes in at and what temperature the air comes out at. 
And then maybe we go a little bit deeper, we go a little bit shallower, we put the pipe in an area that's shaded and cool with moist ground versus dry ground. And I'm just going to play with that. i got plenty of land to play with something like that. I'm going to get a little excavator next year where I can dig little trenches like that and uh, you know put 20 feet of pipe in the ground in a couple different areas and see what happens. Now, some people tell me, I won't work. You don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But my thought is, this really shaded, moist, wet ground that's cool all the time on the backside of my house uh, in Arkansas. And if I put a pipe in the ground with the right depth and I blow air through it at the right volume, at least in the evening time, it may replace the need for any kind of an air conditioner because it's already quite cool up there. And then I can take something that's a disadvantage, my home up there is a mobile home, turn it into an advantage because I have easy access underneath the the, the, uh, the foundation and things like that and play around with it. But I'm going to do some testing first. I'm also going to see how much warming effect I can get off of warm, rocky outcroppings with buried things beneath them uh, on sun-sided banks and things like that. And I'm also going to say, well, how much do I need to run a little bitty fan? How much battery power? And I can probably build a passive solar cooler uh, for my evening times in Arkansas. So I just sleep comfortably. And maybe I run the air conditioner a little more hot and sweaty and all. But if I can kill that in the evenings for even two to three months out of the year when I normally would run it, that's a big energy savings. That's a big energy return. It's unconventional. It might not work. Every year I set a goal. And at least one of them better be a goal that might not work. I'm going to learn from the experience whether it works or not. So anybody that's going to email me and tell me why this goal is going to fail, don't bother. Let me figure it out for myself. <laughs> and I want you to have goals like that. This isn't going to cost me anything. I'm going to have the little excavator anyway, and I'm going to have the pipe anyway. And if it doesn't work, I dig the pipe back up and fill the hole in. I'll do something with the hole. right? This is something to learn what will happen if. And when we're kids... We have that spirit in us, and that's why we go play in the woods all day long without worrying about anything, and then we turn into adults that worry about kids that go out and play in the woods. Quite ironic, isn't it? Well, my kid's been out there for like an hour. And where is he? He's in the woodlot on the back of my yard. I'm scared. Really? How long did you used to do that? Oh, all day long. Times are different. Are they really that different? I mean, I found myself worried about my kid playing in a woodlot where I could actually see him, Right? And thinking, you know, why am I feeling this way, man? He's smart. He knows what to do. He's with friends. They know to run home if they have to. They know not to talk. Why do I feel this way? And I'd like, you know, when I was a kid, we used to run around, the before I moved to Pennsylvania, run around the swamps in Florida and Jacksonville, all over the place. Be gone for six, seven, eight hours before we'd come. Come home for dinner. Well, nobody would be seen for that long. We had forts and trails and everything. And times are different. That's what I thought. Same thing. Times are different. And I thought about it. You know what? During the period in time that I used to do that, there was a guy named Henry Lee Lucas running around North Florida. Google that name if you want to see uh, see how times really haven't changed. So, um, you know, that's that's the thing is keep some of that childhood spirit in you. Try to do things that may not work. And then see what you would have to do to make them work. How much deeper, how much longer, how much slower, how much faster, whatever. Have a goal like that every year. Um the next thing I have to do, and I don't know if I'll get it installed, but I want to design the swale system to build some piece of a forest garden in my place in Arkansas. And I've got a unique challenge there. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about that unique challenge as soon as I pause and take this phone call. My place is sort of, it's kind of a mountain, comes up to another mountain and then 
drops down steep behind it to a creek and then up a third mountain. And the sun rises, if my house faces that first mountain I mentioned, the sun rises that way, that way is east, and the sun tracks straight across over the roof of the house. Once it passes behind uh, the house, the house pretty much shades everything in the front. And once it goes behind that second mountain, of course, the sun's lost. I have a limited solar exposure in the day because of the topography of the land. Um, complicating this, the house is facing east, and then long ways pointing to the bottom side where the driveway is, is the south side, which gets all of the sunlight in the winter, which would be the perfect place to put in a greenhouse. But if we do that, we lose that spot. Um, you know, an attached greenhouse, we lose that spot for parking. <clears throat> My bigger challenge, though, is that the the road that the house is facing, the house runs parallel with the road, and then the road goes uh, north to south. And as it heads north up the, the, the mountain, the road is steep. And as the road is steep, it has one angle. But then the land only goes back somewhat level with a little bit of slope and then falls away into a valley to the same side of the road that the house is on. So my contour lines would literally wrap, okay, to put swales in, they would actually wrap and then turn the direction of the road to a degree. Uh, this creates a lot of different shadows and falls. So what I have to do is figure out, do I need to go in there and terrace some of the area with a bigger machine? How many existing trees? I, I really don't want to take out any more existing tree uh, trees that I that I have to. But these are complicated issues. This is a tough site. It's got a lot going for it. But for some of the things that I would like to do, like putting in ponds, are almost impossible to put in your conventional ponds. But I've got some ideas, and that's why I'm taking design certification course to learn and to look at. Somebody's had to deal with a similar situation. All it's going to take for me to be able to crack this is to see somebody with anything remotely similar and what they've done, and it will evolve into a plan to give me what I want my land to produce for me. That's why permaculture is so special, because it's not based on what you plant, when you plant, how you plant. It's based on patterns and the way that different organisms interact and how energy flows. So I have solar energy flowing one way, wind energy flowing another way. I have things blocking that energy that have to be removed. I have things blocking good energy that cannot be removed. I can't move the mountain, right? So I have to figure out how to work with what I have. So this is going to be a great experience. So my one brief flirtatious thought of let's sell this place and buy an even better one that's more conducive to this completely changed my mind. I've got too much going for it from other standpoints, uh, from remoteness, from accessibility. It's just a great place. So I'm going to make it work. But that's the unique challenge that I have there. And um, it's going to be fun. And I will record what I do in video and make it available to you guys so that you can see a tough challenge taken. And when you see a tough challenge taken, see it will make a lot of easier challenges easier for you to address. So that's partly my goal, but it's also to help the audience learn how to deal with situations that may not be ideal for growing. All right, um, the next one is one that I had last year and I put off, and that is find and purchase a small travel trailer and add solar capabilities to it. Now, you might think, well, Jack, you failed your goal last year. Uh, I really didn't. I, I rewrote the goal. Uh, my wife said, and where are you going to put it? And I said, uh, yeah. 
Uh, I don't have any way to get it into my backyard here. It's just impossible. It, nothing like that will fit a garage. It would be sitting in the driveway. I didn't want to pay for storage. I thought about keeping it up in Arkansas, and I really have not prepared a place for it to be where it's inconspicuous. It would be a target for theft. <sighs> okay, you're right, honey. We won't do it this year. So uh, we'll do it in the coming year as I get close to actually moving there and I'm, I'm up at the location more frequently and I'm going to get a guy that runs a dozer in the area to come in and put in a space for me that will house some other things but also ha- house that trailer and I do want to add some solar capabilities to it. And I want to do this for a variety of reasons. Chief among them is for traveling. It's not just to have a little trailer in case I need it. It's so that I can hook it up to the big Dodge and I can pull it out to Wyoming this year and hang out with you guys at Dirt Time 2010. Uh, so I can, uh, Shannon Appleby's gonna put together a national event up in Iowa that's gonna be just for TSP members. I'm gonna go there. There's a secret event that only secret people know about. I'll be there. And, and these things, right, um, are all going to be accomplished with this piece of equipment. And I'm going to be doing a lot of other things. I'm going to be going places so that I can get more information for you guys. I want to go out to places where people have built survival retreats that are willing to let somebody come in. Maybe not divulge location, but show us what they've done and how they've done it. I want to go out and visit with other permaculturists and show you, because I just said, the more you see with permaculture, the more you're able to do. It's about looking, seeing, recognizing, observing. So I want to be able to travel around the country and go out and see people. I wanted to be able to do that low cost, but I want to have enough comfort where I can continue to do my show. So I need a small trailer, not a great big RV. I need something I can pull with a half ton that will still give me reasonable fuel economy. I want to be able to drop it and take the truck and go off to town and get groceries, that type of thing. And I want to be able to do that extremely flexibly. So that's why I'm going to be doing that. And... um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a great experience for my wife and I and give us a lot of time back together that we haven't had in the past 20 years. And that's going to be really special too. So that's part of why I have that goal. I also uh, want to be, I'm going to, I just mentioned having a dozer operator uh, kind of create a space for me to keep that RV. It's going to be big enough to put at least two outbuildings in. We have a lot of stuff. The house is smaller up there. Uh, one bedroom is going to become an office. Uh, so that leaves a t- basically a two-bedroom and an office house. So we need some outbuildings to organize things like my reloading equipment, my dehydrating equipment, my gardening equipment, all my all my stuff, right? So we're going to put a couple outbuildings in. So that's another goal. And uh, I may, in fact, actually uh, save quite a bit of money by building them. I'm a decent framer. I'm an okay roofer. Uh, I might have somebody come in and do the roofing for me at a couple outbuildings. It won't cost that much, and it'll get done right. Um, but I'm going to definitely put a couple outbuildings in. And for those who don't know what an outbuilding is, it's a shed, a rather large one. All right, so I'm going to put a couple sheds in up there uh, to house all this stuff. Uh, I'm also going to try to build a true permaculture greenhouse, but I don't think that's going to happen in 2010. I think it's going to get planned and, and designed and ready to go, and it's going to be a 2011 project. I don't know, and it might, who knows, it might be a winner of 2010 project, and it might not get finished until early 2011. But when I say permaculture greenhouse, I'm talking about something that uh, will do things like incorporate chickens in the greenhouse. So a piece of the greenhouse will be accessible to the chickens. That'll be screened off from the plants so that they can't hurt them. So the chickens will actually provide heat in the form of decomposing manure and their own body heat and respiration for the plants. The chickens also produce CO2, which plants use. Right, so there. When you put a plant in a greenhouse, a lot of greenhouse growers are actually pump CO2 into the greenhouse because since there's no 
animal life in there all the time, once they do enough conversion of oxygen to CO2, or CO2 to oxygen, the environment becomes very oxygen rich and somewhat CO2 depleted, because all you guys that think CO2 is killing us, it's less than 1% of the atmosphere is CO2. Less than, less than a third of 1% of the atmosphere is CO2. So people will get a tank of CO2, pump it into their greenhouse. Well, chickens pump out CO2 constantly, just like you and I do. So they're a source of heat and a source of CO2. Instead of a conventional greenhouse that you build so that it gets solar exposure everywhere, you build it so the solar exposure is limited to the to the uh, heavily anyway to the uh, to the winter time. So when the sun's lower, it hits the one wall that's mainly glass, and maybe the rest of it's not glass as typical. So it creates a somewhat shaded environment for growing more tender plants in the summertime. You put rain catch on it, and it, it allows the rain catch that's on the roof of the greenhouse to provide water for the chickens and water for the plants. It's a pretty involved and pretty uh, intense thing. Uh, Bill Wilson, who's the head of Midwest Permaculture, so I was listening to his lecture last night on the course I'm taking, said, I've never built one yet. He was explaining how it worked, and then I thought of something. And This is where I always say there's no new ideas. There's only people willing to enact them. If you want to see something interesting, go to the survivalpodcast.com. Type in my search box, the green greenhouse. Three words, the green greenhouse. And you'll hear me describe this in theory before I knew about it. Not quite to this level, there was no chickens involved. But there's a whole show on a sustainable greenhouse. And what I just learned last night by seeing a drawing was how to make it real and how to make it better. And that's what I'm talking about, new ideas and how goals lead us there. Um, so that's one of my goals for next year. My next one is, this is kind of a selfish goal, I guess, or like a man goal. I need a, I need a new boat. And uh, a lot of you have seen the video of my little John boat. And it's pretty cool, and it's great for here. And I'm going to be doing a lot of fishing about March forward until we move. Um, Joe Pool Lake's less than 10 minutes away from here. I, I catch a lot of white bass and, and catfish and crappie there. Uh, and that little boat's everything I need for Joe Pool. It really is. Uh, Lake Washita is huge. And Lake Hamilton and Lake Catherine are pretty big. And they have big boats on them, and I need something a little bit more uh, safe to fish lakes of that size. So I'm not going to get rid of the John boat. I may redesign it, limit the weight in it a great deal, take a lot of the things I've done out of it and use it for coves and uh, streams and things like that. Uh, or I may sell it. I may just get rid of it and just get a better boat for that application and get a canoe for the creeks. I don't know yet, but I'm going to be in the market. Once we're once the, the for sale sign is in the front yard of this house, at that point I'll go in the market for a boat uh, that's more... Uh, more appropriate for that size lake up there. So those are it. That's that's my big goals going forward. Lot on my plate, right? But that's how you create success in your life by having goals that challenge you, by not shirking challenges, and by you know asking yourself uh, every couple weeks, okay, how's it, how's this working out? Which ones are you leaving behind? Are we not working on this goal because this is a goal for later in the year? That's fine. If it's a goal that is going to require action on a daily basis to get it done. By its deadline, how much have you done? So I challenge you, set some goals for yourself. And, um, you know, you didn't hear me set a goal like to get the six months worth of stored food. Well, I'm there. Right? And, I, and I, I'm pretty comfortable with six months because I do so much production, uh, foraging, hunting, fishing, and additional storage that I create out of those environments from those activities. So I'm comfortable with six months. If you want to get to a year and you're at six months, set the goal to get to a year. Um, I actually want to get to a year. 
I'm not going to do it while I'm in this flux stage of my life. I've got enough here, and I've got enough there that I could move if I had to quickly. If something goes wrong in the meantime, and I have to evacuate. And once we get settled, we can work on expanding that from there. But I probably won't do a lot more of it with buying. I'll keep doing the rotation that I do now. I use this. I buy a new one. I pull one out of storage. This goes into the back, and I keep rotating the pantry through. I'm pretty much at a state of equilibrium there. If you're not, how much... How much capacity do you want? 60 days? Fine. I won't put you down for 60 days, but have a goal and get there. 30 days? You're ahead of 99% of America, and you'll get through 99% of the disasters that will ever hit you. When I go to six months, I'm worried about the 1%, because the 1% could be really bad. But it's up to you. Remember, in this show, I give you examples, I give you information, I give you ideas, I give you concepts, and I try to give you fact wherever I can. I will make mistakes, and I generally admit them when I do. But in the end, you take the information, you assemble it, and you make your own plan and your own projects out of that. And you judge your own success or failure. It's not for me to tell you that you're failing. I've had people contact, several people contacting me recently about, you know, what about consulting to wealthy people about survivalism? So the, the guy that thought it was an original idea, it's not an original idea. I've heard from six different people in the past two months that want my advice on that. My advice is if they're not involved in it, it's useless. Now, if you're going to consult to them, that's great. And if that's helping them form a plan, doing an assessment of what they have, uh, bringing financial plan, maybe bringing a good financial planner to the table with you because that's not your area of expertise. Bring a good lawyer with you because that's what the wealthy need to worry about, right? So, and if they're wealthy, they probably already have that. So, when you talk about self sufficiency, the the scary thing is, or the sad thing is, that a lot of wealthy people have no interest in it because they don't understand the need for it. They worry about protecting their money. They don't realize that the money might become worthless. Or they just buy a bunch of crap and stick it somewhere. They buy a shelter and they fill it up. Have an underground shelter built and they fill it with 10 years worth of food and go, it's there if I need it. Duh. I don't need you for that. They might need a consultant to tell them what kind of shelter to put in. Maybe you can go work with our sponsor, Safecastle, on finding them business. I'm sure they would welcome it. But when it comes down to the stuff that we talk about every day, it's up to the person as a human being. Do you want self-sufficiency and control back in your life? Or are you worried about making your $10 million grow into $100 million? If that's your main goal in life, this stuff won't apply to you. Because if you give the 90% or more of the people that listen to this show often $10 million, they'd probably end up giving away $5 million of it. They probably would. They probably put about a million dollars into building something amazing for themselves that they would always have. They put four million aside that would provide them income and the ability to give and do and travel and be and learn and observe. And they probably end up just giving away the other the other five because it's more than they need. Doesn't mean that making ten million dollars is not a good goal and not a, a noble goal. But I think there's a lot of people out there that if they if they meet the goal, they'll end up giving a lot of it back. And I think that is the type of person that's going to survive when the shit hits the fan. And the people that hide in little holes and hide their identity and refuse to be part of their community and think they're going to go it alone like a lone wolf, they're the people that would sit on the $10 million. And those people that would sit on that $10 million, you can't eat it, buddy. You can't eat it. And that's something that the, the lone wolf mentality and the, and, and the rich person that is not aware of their vulnerabilities have in common.
a misunderstanding of the way money works and of humanity itself. You understand that, then you can build a plan. I'm the last person to get in the way of somebody making money. All I'm saying is there's probably a point for everybody where enough is enough. And the people that don't have that point, that don't have an enough is enough point, are seldom ever happy in their lives. And they're usually people that do a lot of harm in the world. That's where we end up with corporations like Monsanto. Because enough is not enough. Controlling 90% of the world's food supply is not enough. You have to have more. The thing about what motivates a person like that is a hole. It's a hole in their heart. It's a hole in their soul. It's probably a hole that started without setting goals that had to do with quality of life. So that's my ending advice to you. Make sure that these goals enhance your quality of life. Do that. You'll be on the right track. This has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast.